Hello, and welcome to the Dangerous Bodies podcast. My name is Becca, and today I will be discussing the Netflix show Love is Blind. So I will be particularly analyzing the aspects that relate to the perceptions and constructions of the body on this show, especially as they relate to race, gender, and sexuality, as well as class and body type or size. So without further ado, let's get started. So the premise of this show is that contestants are expected to create binding love without ever seeing their partners and then um, commit to them by proposing marriage and eventually get married all within 38 days. And this is an extremely rapid timeline and the premise of the show is um, described as trying to make love less superficial, make people less obsessed by appearances in this age of app-based love. Um, And so it's trying to show that people can be more down-to-earth in um, creating lasting partnerships with couples. And so in theory, this is, you know, a nice idea that people can be less superficial and create romances without paying attention to how someone looks um, and not paying attention to race or ethnicity or um, the other factors that we use to tend to judge people. But um, I'm going to go into how this show is honestly quite problematic in a lot of ways and why its premise is not all that successful in my opinion. So the show only contains people who are conventionally attractive with physically fit body types. Um, Although um, there are some people with with larger bodies in the earlier episodes, they are not ultimately chosen as fiancés. And this can't really be an accident because we know that the producers of this show are looking for... um, people who are going to be attractive on camera. They don't want someone to get uh, to a point where they're meeting their fiancé for the first time and reject them because they are um, overweight. They don't want to show fat phobia because we would like to think as people that we're not going to judge someone on superficial traits like that. So it's very... uh, censored in this way because we don't see a diversity of body types. We only see thin, young uh, people who tend to be middle or upper class, um, physically fit, and um, we see that people are kind of giving themselves more credit than what's realistic. Um, So when when, when the people... Uh, when the contestants in the show who ultimately do choose to get engaged within five to ten days, which is insane, um, they finally get to see their fiancés. They have this first sight, and then they kind of decide, is love blind? Am I attracted to this person that I've never seen before and now I'm engaged to? So in this moment of reveal, they all get dressed up. Um, The women tend to dress very provocatively, showing a lot of cleavage, showing very bodycon, form-fitting dresses to show off their conventionally attractive bodies. 
And then they all have this first look at their fiancés and all of them are conventionally attractive and they all seem shocked. <laughs> They're like, wow, um, I fell in love with this person without ever knowing how they looked and they can feel good about themselves about that. But ultimately, they're not faced with any diversity in body types. And so they aren't, they're not this amazing, gracious person who can just accept anyone um, because they're not faced with, with any of these uh, concerns, really. Um, so even though they're not seeing each other at first before they get engaged, they do ask questions that define aspects like their body type, their age, their occupation, their, their workout habits. So um, if you're asking someone, oh, like, what kind of things do you like to do? And someone's saying, oh, I like to hit the gym. You're going you're gonna to have an idea of how this person's body is going to look. Um, and so one of the contestants in the show, I believe it was Jessica, mentions that she can imagine what people's body types look like, but not their faces. And she ultimately picks her partner, who is a fitness instructor, as his job, which is clearly related to what she sees as attractive in the physical physique of a partner. So this is kind of the first problem that I have with the show in that it's assuming that these people are non-judgmental and praising them for being this way, but a lot of the people who face the most judgment in the dating scene based on physical features are not represented at all in the show. So it doesn't really prove anything about love being blind if people who are facing these judgments and rejections most often have absolutely zero representation in the show. Um, Another main issue that I have with the show is the mononormativity and heteronormativity inherent in the structure of the show, which is common across a lot of dating shows such as The Bachelor um, and all this whole genre of kind of reality TV dating shows. So um, in terms of the mononormativity, which is defined as... um, confining relationships to um, assume that they should be between two people in an exclusive uh, monogamous relationship. So everyone on the show, all the contestants are looking for a fiance to commit to, even even though at first they're all each dating 15 people and the people that they're dating are all each dating 15 people. But ultimately, we know from the start that there is absolutely no possibility that the show will end with a with any polyamorous relationships, because the definition of a successful relationship in the context of this show is a legally binding marriage. And that goal is only possible between two people, at least in the United States. Um, So we know that there's not going to be more than two people who end up together. And we also know that the people who end the show single are seen as having failed the experiment. So the only successful version um, is being in a committed monogamous relationship between two people. Um, And that's not reflective of all the types of people who exist in the world. Um, And so it's it's that's another issue with the show. Um, And. We also see that people, in order to reach this goal of 
um, proposing or of, of getting the, the um, kind of happy ending that we're hoping for, I guess, um, they have to propose to their significant other before ever seeing them, which can cause people to rush into a proposal before they're ready, which is very clear for many of these couples, just so that they can see each other, um, which is one aspect, and also so that they can continue earning revenue from the show. Because this show doesn't exist in a vacuum where these people are just doing this for their own good. You know, they're earning money from the show. The producers are earning money from the show. So this isn't independent of other factors, such as the financial aspects. Um, And also, this is, for the viewer of this show... Um, we're obsessed with the idea of marriage and committing for life, especially when people are wildly unprepared. And this is highly problematic because it's, um, it's providing people with joy for, or not joy, but kind of this cringy enjoyment of watching something that is very unrealistic and watching it as though it's a good idea, I guess. Um, and then in terms of heteronormativity, we are dividing the people in the show by quote unquote gender or um, a version, you know, whether whether they consider it gender or sex. Um, and we're assuming that everyone is cisgender and everyone is heterosexual just based on the format where um, people are divided, where women are on one side, men are on the other side and those are the only dates that can occur is between one man and one woman in the pods, um, which does not leave any space at all for queer individuals. Um, And even when one of the contestants, Carlton, is queer, he is attracted to both men and women. It's treated as this huge shameful secret or kind of a black mark on his record as a potential partner. And he's also, when he describes what he's looking for, He's looking for a wife specifically, and in this sense, it seems that he's kind of shameful. He's trying to hide his shameful past um, and hoping hoping to enter in a straight-passing relationship. So this is kind of erasing the only queerness that's available to us, and I'll get into this problematic relationship that he enters a little bit later. Um, But because of the cis... And the cis normativity and heteronormativity, as well as this heterosexism, people don't have any conversations during their dates in the pods about the sexuality of their potential partners because they're just assuming that they they will be cisgender heterosexual people. Um, and also, there's no possibility at all that when they're throwing these two separate categories of people into rooms with each other. So all the women are able to see each other and all the men are able to see each other. The underlying assumption of the show is that none of those people would want to date someone of the same gender. Um, It's completely out of the question. So if there's any attraction there, it's not going to be shown in in the show um, because that that storyline is simply incompatible with the construction of the show. Um, And now getting into the very problematic relationship between Carlton and Diamond. Um, This is a couple who um, Carlton is is the contestant who kind of admits like almost 
in a confessional that he is uh, that he has dated both men and women. Um, he does not identify as bi or pan or any um, any of these labels, which is perfectly fine. Um, he says that in the past he has dated both genders, but this in and of itself is problematic because there are not only two genders. In fact, gender is fluid and, and it's on a spectrum. And he also seems ashamed of this label. Um, and he says that he's looking to settle down with a wife because being with women, they're more nurturing, which is also problematic in this construction that we have of how a wife should be kind of domestic and submissive and um, taking care of the household and, and of family. So um, that's an issue that I also had with the show. Um, and also, you can see that he has a lot of internalized shame about kind of the body which he's born into. He is ashamed of kind of what he calls his past, which realistically an identity of one's sexuality is not going to change just because um, you're entering into a straight passing relationship. Carlton can settle down with a wife and that's perfectly fine, but it's not going to change his identity as a queer individual. Um, And so when he... um, when he enters into a relationship with Diamond, who is um, a partner who connects with him through the pods, they get engaged, they end up um, going on this kind of engagement honeymoon type thing in Mexico with all the other contestants, and then Diamond finds out that Carlton is attracted to men and women, and... Um, she completely, uh, she reacts not not very well, um, but she does ultimately try to approach Carlton in a reasonable manner. Um, she calls him out for having blindsided her, which is, um, which raises a lot of important questions because we she's assuming that it's a requirement, you know, before entering in any binding relationships or before, you know, putting oneself out there in in any form of commitment that a partner has to disclose their sexuality before making a commitment and that she feels like she was betrayed because he failed to tell her about this crucial aspect of his identity. Um, And... She also talks about, um, she, she perpetuates a lot of stereotypes about bisexual people in a um, very biphobic manner. Um, she asks how she can possibly know that he won't feel the need to love another man in the future, how he knows that he wants a wife. Um, and she's playing on these stereotypes that bisexual people are indecisive inherently and cannot be monogamous which is very problematic. And the show does absolutely nothing to combat this. And also, um, even though the show is seeming to kind of pat itself on the back for including um, a queer character in its very um, heteronormative structure, instead of choosing to combat these stereotypes against bisexual people, 
the show leans into and teases Carlton's sexuality and intentionally blindsides Diamond. Carlton has confessed multiple times on camera about this, you know, shame that he has um, and this fear that he has about sharing this with a partner. But the show does nothing to encourage them to have any conversations and um, it likely encourages the opposite where... Um, you know, maybe producers are are telling Carlton, you know, don't bring this up yet. It's not the right time. Um, or, you know, they're conditioning the contestants to create drama because it's more interesting to viewers. But um, this ultimately feeds into stereotypes and creates a very problematic um, explosion of negativity. And this also beyond being problematic in terms of sexuality, um, both of the characters, Carlton and Diamond, are black. And so there is a lot of racialized aspects of this um, relationship where Carlton disrespects her um, in this conversation and he plays on some certain stereotypes. Um, He calls her a bitch and what he's insulting her by telling her that her wig is falling off, which um, black women's hair is extremely racialized. And by dragging this into the argument, um, he's kind of discrediting his own um, emotions because he's, he's playing on these stereotypes that are very problematic for bringing up. Um, and it... It portrays Diamond as kind of the angry black woman, which is just an age-old trope. Um, And it also, this is an example of black people and black bodies providing entertainment as a backdrop for white people to find love, which is very common among a lot of these dating shows um, where often the people of color are not the ones who end up in the relationships, but they provide a lot of entertainment along the way. And seeing, um, seeing black people on camera exploding with emotion and all this drama, um, it's, it's kind of othered because they are not from the dominant hegemonic empower race. They're not... Um, they're, they're, by portraying a black person as being biphobic or homophobic on screen white viewers can kind of distance themselves from um, the ignorance that's showing on, being shown on screen. Whereas if it were a white person that's being portrayed as homophobic, it would feel more uncomfortable for white viewers and they would not be as able to distance themselves from this ignorance that they may claim not to have. Um, and then some other points on race... The show loves to emphasize like, oh, these people can fall in love without ever knowing the other person's race or ethnicity or class or whatever else. But ultimately, a lot of the conversations are very racialized. Um, In the very first episode, one of the characters identifies the woman that he's on a date with in one of these pods. He identifies her voice as black which um, he's inferring something from the way that she's speaking. And this can play on a lot of 
negative racial stereotypes. Um, and it this kind of is completely glazed over in the show. Um, the character is offended, but ultimately it kind of just happens and, and they move on from it. Um, and so, first of all, if someone can identify someone else's voice or they think that they can identify someone else's voice as be, as pertaining to a certain race, then this experiment is not actually blinding someone from their negative stereotypes of another of another race. Obviously, if you're going to identify someone else's race just based on what stereotypical perceptions you have of what that person's voice would sound like, then you're not going into this experiment blind to the stereotypes that you associate with people of different races or um, or ethnicities. Um, another really problematic moment relating to race and especially black women is um, when the character Diamond goes on a date with Barnett, who is a white man, and Diamond is a black woman. And he immediately comments that, that he sees the name Diamond as a stripper name. And this is extremely disrespectful um, because the way that he is suggesting um, that she's a stripper is not in a way where he sees it as a valid occupation or um, he, he's, he's saying something that he knows is offensive um, based on his perception of that profession. And he is also, um, he's using the name of another person to categorize them um, in a very negative, distressing way. So another aspect of race in the show um, and how it is not addressed very effectively is the interrelationship, the interracial relationship between Lauren and Cameron, who um, they're a couple that um, becomes engaged within five days. They're the by far the fastest couple to get engaged. Um, and it kind of seems like they're living in this fantasy world that's almost a little bit colorblind because while they do address the idea, the aspects of race, um, and Lauren says, oh, I've never dated someone who wasn't black before. Um, and you know, they acknowledge, okay, we are in an interrelation, interracial relationship and that does pose challenges. Um, I still feel like it's a bit glossed over and there's kind of like rose-tinted lenses that are claiming that the relationship um, is not going to face as many difficulties as it likely will. Um, and I think, you know, I think that it is amazing that actually this is one of the relationships that does last um, and they do end up getting married and they are seen as kind of the most stable relationship, which is honestly, that's an, a wonderful thing. I think that that, you know, that does make a lot of, um, it's, it is fairly progressive to see an interracial relationship on screen, which we don't often see, um, seeing black and white bodies, um, as a couple is not the most common. It's, it's becoming 
less taboo, but it is still definitely stigmatized in a lot of ways. Um, I think that's powerful. I will say, though, um, although I don't think the show truly does address the interracial racial aspect of their relationship sufficiently, I also appreciate that they don't dwell on it as a factor for why the relationship could never last. Um, and I think that they, they do touch on these these prickly issues um, in the introduction between um, Cameron who's a white man, and Lauren's father, uh, who's a black man, um, Lauren's father says, you know, this is going to pose issues. Like, have you ever been in a room full of only black people before? Um, and, you know, I think that these are things that we we like to gloss over because um, we want to see more interracial couples and we want to feel progressive, but it's not it's not that easy, you know, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of challenges associated, and so I appreciate that, A, these, these characters are willing to put in the time to overcome these challenges, because, um, seeing an interracial couple on TV is already making progress, um, but also that they don't completely neglect to acknowledge that it is challenging, Um, another aspect of the racial kind of problems in this show, um, I feel like besides the couple of Lauren and Cameron, it feels like kind of white love that's happening in front of a backdrop of quote unquote color. Um, because in the initial 30 people, there were a lot more people of color, like, it really seemed like, on camera at least, there were a substantial amount of um, black people and people of other races, and ultimately, most of the people who were proposed, um, or pro- who were proposed to or did the proposing um, were white, or um, some of them were uh, people of color, but had very fair skin, so there were two um, Latinx individuals, uh, one woman, G- um, Giannina, and one man, Mark, um, who both enter into relationships with white people, but they both have very fair skin and kind of downplay their, um, their Latinx roots a little bit. Um, and both of their white partners chose not to introduce their Latinx partners to their families, um, the Latinx families did meet the white partners, but not the other way around, which kind of um, stood out to me as um, you, you have to kind of question, like, is there any shame associated? Um, is there... I just felt like that was... It just was not mentioned. It did not seem like a big deal. But in reality, like, that is a problem. Um also, the only couple that was between two people of color, two black people, was the one between Diamond and Carlton, and that one failed immediately and kind of went up in flames. So um, every relationship besides that one had at least one white person. Um, and um, I also felt like there were some gendered issues in the show um 
For example, a lot of the women are extremely hysterical and emotional, um, and, and the men are presented as very even-keeled and calm, and, you know, they're kind of mansplaining a little bit, but, um, they're, you know, presented as, like, they're the rational ones, they know from the start that they're in love with their partners, and their partners just can't seem to decide, because, you know, women are just so indecisive and can't make up their mind, um, like, for example, Kenny, he's just seen as 100% respectful and committed, and his partner, Kelly, has no idea, like, she, she can't figure out what she wants, and she ultimately leaves him at the altar because, um, she, as she says, she self-sabotages, um, which is kind of a repeated, uh, trope, um, Giannina, who is, um, a character from Venezuela, she's constantly, um, hysterical and she always from the very start she says that she self-sabotages which I think is very problematic language because um for a woman to be saying about herself that she does not know what she wants or that she causes problems where there's no problems um I think it really it negates the real tangible problems that she faces in her relationship with Damien who is her partner um, and Damien acts as though he's completely even keeled, but he's constantly mansplaining her emotions and she is letting him and she's letting the viewer negate everything that she's going through, even though a lot of them are very valid, um, concerns that she has because she's, she's, oh, she's just a self-sabotaging woman who doesn't know how to see something that's good. Um, and another example is Cameron and Lauren. So Cameron is probably the most consistent character. He and Kenny are probably the most consistent characters. And um, he is 100% committed to Lauren from literally the fifth day that he knows her before he's ever seen her. And that never changes. And Lauren, even though she's very um, very committed and, and ultimately does end up with him, the show shows her at the end when she's nearing her wedding as indecisive and she's not sure and she can't give Cameron a firm answer on whether she'll marry him. And it's kind of like, even when there's this relationship that's like so good and so like almost too good to be true, of course the woman is second guessing herself and having all these doubts and um, it really perpetuates these tropes of women as, um, as being unstable um, and, of course, this kind of is the most visible with the character Jessica, um, and kind of all of the people that she involves in her kind of tornado of destruction. Um, she originally can't decide between two men, and one of the men that she's into can't decide between three women, so then there's this kind of dramatic aspect of, you know, of course, we're all going to end up in monogamous, committed relationships, but why is it that we all have these feelings for more than one person? Like, that's so unnatural, which, again, you know, that's not actually realistic. But um, once Jessica ends up with her partner, Mark, and the other object of interest that she has, Barnett, ends up with his partner, Amber, um there are all these kind of cat fights that go down between Jessica and Amber and another girl, Elsie. Um, 
and they're fighting over Barnett, and then, um, and then Mark, even though he, he's completely blind to the fact that Jessica is clearly not really interested in him, um, but he's, you know, he's a stand-up guy, he's, he's so in love, and he, he'll do anything to make the relationship work, so that, again, paints the man as stable and has all his, you know, has his life together, and Jessica is just, like, stirring up drama, and she's treating Mark really terribly, um, and just in general, she's dramatic, she's manipulative, um, she can't handle her liquor, you know, they, they paint her as just this wild woman who is going behind people's backs and causing all these problems, um, and this is extremely, um, problematic, I know I keep using that word, but I, that's how I felt about this show, um, because, Every single, without basically any exceptions, every single relationship paints the woman as being um, unable to control herself, unable to control her emotions, completely unstable, needing uh, assurance from the man in the relationship, and um, ultimately just incapable of making a firm commitment. Um and that is reinforcing so many negative stereotypes of women. Um, and it's just creating this pattern that we see in, in a lot of these shows, um, which I found really unsettling. <laughs> um, also, Jessica in this show um, appears to have a drinking problem, and it's kind of never addressed at all. Um, she'll kind of, like, blame her bad behavior on having drinking too much, but there's no, like, saying, you know, maybe this is kind of a deeper problem, and, um, it's kind of just saying, oh, like, that's Jessica, like, she, you know, has this problem, like, of not being able to, like, she's, like, basically it paints her as Jessica, like, the mess, you know, and there's, you know, addiction, if she is facing this, is a disease, it's a real, um, thing that she is going through, and so, um, there's really no addressing this, which is also an issue, um, and then lastly, there's the whole aspect of, um, mediated love, which I think is extremely important, because the pods that they're originally dating in where they can't see each other um, and they need to make these commitments, they're supposedly really intimate, but in reality there are full-on cameras filming every one of their reactions, everything that they're saying, so there's nothing genuine about this. Um, the conversations are not authentic because it's completely mediated. It's, you know, it's on-screen love, so... It encourages drama, it encourages explosive emotions, emotional performativity, which we discussed um, with Judith Butler, um, and this whole idea that we love to see women, women just exploding because they have no control over what they're emoting, um, and um, there's one instance, too, where you can see that they're promoting this. The producers are, are wanting to rile up the characters. Um, like, so when Kenny is left at the altar, he's going through this horrible emotional 
uh, moment, and on screen, he's saying, please turn off the cameras, this is not right, you know, like, you need to leave me alone, and they're continuing to film him to try and get a reaction out of him, they want him to get angry, even if it's at that, at the cameramen themselves, um, and additionally, they're, in the show, the way it's structured, they're forcing the individuals to get to the wedding, even when most of them are not sure about it. So they're rather, they're, they're, there's this dramatic, lucrative aspect of forcing people to leave someone at the altar rather than respectfully breaking up before the wedding. Because in most of these cases, it's very clear that the couple or like the one person who's not invested already knew that way before the wedding date actually happens. But they're forcing all of these five couples to go through at the wedding knowing that three of them are going to fail and someone's going to be left at the altar. Um, and so this this is like the shock appeal of seeing someone be rejected in front of all their family and friends. And there's this imagery of the, the white wedding dress um, and these women especially who are getting all like dolled up for the wedding they have their hair done they have their makeup done you know it's like they always say it's like the moment they've been dreaming of since they were a little girl um with this vision of you know purity in the white dress with the veil um and it's it's lending itself to this emotional trauma of preparing for themselves one preparing themselves for a wedding that they may not even want to have and two, preparing themselves um, for a wedding where they're going to get rejected. Like, those are two of the circumstances that do happen. Um, and it's just seen as like, well, you know, we're going to get to the altar and then we're going to decide whether or not we want to get married, um, which is absolutely unrealistic. And this is one of the differences between this show and others that are similar. Like, for example, The Bachelor, it ends in an engagement Whereas this show kind of starts with an engagement and ends with a wedding, whether or not the contestants want it to happen. And then at their wedding is when they decide whether or not it will happen in a very public spectacle. Um, and so these, these explosive emotions that they have for being left at the altar kind of intentionally as created by, these, by the producers, um, they have this kind of like money shot of... Uh, they are all dressed up and, you know, ready to commit for the rest of their life, and then they're rejected, and, you know, there's this iconic shot that's used in the trailer, um, where Giannina is running off in her wedding dress through the woods, crying, and just a complete mess, um, and this is what viewers want to see, uh, and this is what the producers and the creators of the show are getting paid for, so they're going to stir up this drama and, and make sure that the show is as cringy as possible in order so that we can see these kind of bodies of the people that are just absolutely devastated. And we, we want to watch this because it's just so visceral. The, the emotional reaction is so visceral. But it's honestly inhumane um, to have these people go through this without um, without the respect for them as people um, to 
treat them as though they, you know, they're in a normal relationship, which ends when it needs to end. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my take. It was a bit of a just combination of all the different aspects of the show, some which I thought were done well, most of which I thought were, um, a bit problematic. And, um, those were the, um, the aspects of race, gender, sexuality, and um, body type that I saw as being concerns while watching the show. So thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day.